For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. We got three-person crew once again, Amy Just, Luke Mullen, Wilson Moore. I want to break down all things spring games, spring football. We got some basketball updates, recruiting, baseball and softball still going on as usual. So a lot to get to. Uh, but spring game, you know, it's uh, it's here in the books. We kind of went through, uh, you know, this spring camp. There's a lot going on, a lot of questions, uh, but a lot of those were answered, you know, over the course of this spring. So we'll have some takeaways to share. But uh, first, you know, just want to get our reaction to the spring game, starting with new Herbie Husker riding in on a motorcycle. I mean, that was uh, a little bit of a spectacle, wasn't it? <laughs> of course, of course. My favorite, though, was like the Gatlin gun, like T-shirt guns. Yes. Like yes. phenomenal. That needs to stay. When one T-shirt at a time is too few and you're firing out what, like 10 a second? I mean, it's, yeah. It was pretty funny. It's impressive. I... Fun, fun engagement for the fans, too. The motorcycle ride was preceded by a very carefully edited hype video for Herbie Husker. I think we can't forget about that part, too. Oh yeah, that the hype video for the mascot yeah. too. Yeah, things uh things were taken up a notch there. But um, you know, getting into the actual on-field action, I think one of the things we were looking forward to was seeing Jeff Sims, seeing him in this offense, uh, seeing how he operated. And you know, obviously starting starting unit, you know, they only get a few a few series. You know, want to limit their time out there. But I thought he looked good, strong arm. You know, strong command of the offense. Uh, ran a little bit, didn't take too many big hits, but thought he looked pretty sharp in his first outing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know what else to expect. Like, I wanted a little bit more running from him, whether that be, you know, designed runs or scrambles. Um, I think that's the only thing that I was missing there. But again, it's a spring game and time is limited, so I wasn't too upset about it. Absolutely. I mean, pretty accurate with his throws, too. Did what he needed to do. And, you know, there, there was kind of a contrast there that you had some of the backup quarterbacks, those guys, and, you know, they, you miss those windows by half a second or, you know, you're off just a little bit on your throws. So Sims definitely stood out to me in that regard, just how sharp he was. But, you know, when, when you're kind of looking at the offense as a whole, it was like all the action pretty much came in the first half. That scoring came quickly. And then the second half, you know, it was really a lot of fumbles. I mean, there were fumbles in the first, but they, they really showed up in the second half. Yeah, yeah. And... On the topic of Sims, this might be a bit of an oversimplification, but just watching, I thought it was obvious of the quarterbacks. He was the one who had played college football before. He was the one who was seasoned, who seemed to have kind of been through this process before, uh, knew, just understood things better, processed things more quickly. But yeah, and the, the fumbles, you know, it's spring. You know, that's obviously not what you want to see. Matt Rule wasn't thrilled about that at, after the game, but... I know it's hard to hard to pin down one thing on that, I think. Yeah, I would say the thing with the fumbles, though, is, yeah, it's it's just spring, but I don't think you fumble eight times in the spring game if you're not kind of struggling with that all spring, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Matt had talked about that the week before, yeah. that ball security was something he 
was a little worried about something he wanted to, you know, shore up, make better, and clearly that didn't happen. But again, it's April, so. Yeah, and some of that, you know, just like quarterback, running back exchange, you know, some of that stuff that you get a lot of reps in, that stuff will come, and that's probably one of the the biggest things from the spring game was that it took a while. There were a lot of plays, a lot of reps uh, for different players, you know, different units. They really, you know, made sure as you do with these scrimmages to, you know, get those guys in there at the end, you know, even in the fourth quarter rule was uh, he was very impressed, I guess, with with the guys added to that they wanted to keep going out there, uh, you know, keep playing when it got down, you know, really late there in the contest. But at the same time, uh, you know, post game, he did he did kind of acknowledge he said there were some lulls that second half and that getting the team to focus for an entire three hours was a goal. I think that's kind of interesting to hear from him. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a long spring for them too, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So, and this is probably the longest practice that they had, right? With a halftime, like there's, that's a lot. And for some of those guys, this is about the longest that they've, you know, had to do this, right? Because there were some true freshmen there and then some younger guys who haven't necessarily been called upon before that, you know, got ample playing time in the spring game. So it's a learning experience for all of them. Yeah, test your conditioning, but test your mental focus too. Uh, that was one of those big points, but I'm glad you you brought up the freshmen too, because we saw a couple guys really there on the defensive line, you know, heard about them in the spring, but you now again, you know, we only see a little bit of snippets of practice. You know, we hear from their position coaches or, you know, some of their teammates, but Prince Willuman Mielen, Cam Lenhart, those guys were creating havoc there and not not really looking like freshmen at all. No, not at all. And I don't think it was a huge surprise. You know, I think especially with Prince Will, uh, Tony White had talked about how impressive he he had been. But yeah, seeing their first, um, seeing the first kind of extended action from them, like you said, didn't look didn't look like freshmen. Uh, Uman Mielen had a big uh, sack, I think, on second or third down in the first half. I'm rem- remembering correctly. Got into the backfield well, got good pressure, and yeah, I think adds a dynamic to what this you know what this pass rush could could look like that was already pretty well stocked with guys like mj sherman um just another um, another uh, just someone else who can contribute to that yeah i mean we'd we'd heard that they were working in you know rotating with the ones but when you see them out there you know you see them producing it it definitely adds a little bit more confidence they look just like those other veterans there and one of the other things that we were keeping an eye on was the offensive line uh, knew that they were a little bit low on numbers, had a couple guys get banged up, Turner Corcoran, uh, Jacob Hood, but no serious injuries. Uh, really one of those key things that you want to get in and out of this spring game. You know, you, d- you don't want any guys like tearing ACL or something, you know, that's going to rule them out of the fall, of course. So that was a, a major positive to take away. And one of the things that I think, you know, this game will be remembered for, it won't be, you know, some of these different things, uh, you know, these different quarterback or, or defensive end. I think it'll be remembered for uh, Frank Solich, Coming back, finally getting his moment and, you know, getting some of those uh, those tough feelings out. Yeah, so I was on the field for that, um, just watching uh, not just Frank's family, but all of the former players who were there. And it was a really emotional moment for everybody. Um, a lot of those guys had lumps in their throat, you know, holding back tears. Um, it was a moment that you could tell meant a lot to them because Frank hadn't been back in Memorial Stadium for almost 20 years. And, you know, we don't need to litigate what happened. Um, But that's a long time uh, to be away from a place that he called home for so long. And uh, he meant so much. He means he's not dead. Uh, He means so much to people. And for him to come back 
um, and not just come back, but to be honored with um, the 45s on the field for his number when he was a player and to have the new locker room be named after him. You could tell it meant a lot, not just to him, um, but to everybody who had a close relationship with him and to the fans who may or may not have ever met him before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to to see him be kind of celebrated in that way, it was it was a long time coming, right? You know, because you you go through these years, you know, these decades, and I don't know, you know, maybe maybe if you're Solik, you're going, you know, do they even still care about me there? Well, when you see thousands and thousands of people, you know, cheering, getting on their feet for you, I'm sure that was a, a really special special moment. And then one of the other things I think was cool too was you know seeing kids, you know, interested in him, wanting to you know, take a picture, get an autograph, whatever it may be, you know, a coach that was before their time, sure, but still one of those really important, uh, you know, members of this Nebraska football history, a guy who's meant a lot to the program, meant a lot to Lincoln, uh, you know, the entire community. So really cool to see, and I think a, a really nice gesture naming the locker room after. Definitely. So spring game now in the books, that's uh, 15 practices, all 15 done, and want to take a little bit of a, you know, bigger picture uh, looking back at this entire spring, always a great chance for players to, you know, step up, you know, maybe raise, you know, their their stock on the depth chart a little bit, or at least, you know, make sure that the coaches have them in mind they're heading into the fall. So each of us, we've got a, a couple of players to to share with you who we think had a really good spring. Uh, let's start with you, Amy. Yeah, we've talked about him already, so I don't need to go too much into it, but uh, Prince Well, um, what a fantastic spring for the freshman. Yeah, I mean, just to share a quick note too. I mean, he came in, by the way, as one of the highest ranked recruits in that 23 class, only behind Malachi Coleman. But for me, I was kind of like, oh, he's got these great traits, you know, maybe in a year or two, he'll be really good. Well, he's really good right now. <laughs> so for me, uh, I'm definitely looking at Junior and Bonner, uh, making that kind of transition there uh, to this tight end kind of role. And now fullback, yeah, that, that we saw him there at the spring game. I mean, he looked dynamic. Of course, you know, you know, from coming from wide receiver, he's going to have the ability to catch, to run a little bit. But I mean, he was throwing blocks. You know, he was leading in the interior gaps. I mean, he was uh, a bona fide fullback, exactly what you want to see from him. So really impressed with him, his uh, his ceiling in the offense. And another guy that just want to touch on real quick, Gage Stanger. Um, you know, limited limited action last year, really kind of easing his way into things. But I think he's going to be a great fit there, and that kind of that linebacker spot, good in coverage, uh, made a couple plays and run stopping as well. So guy, a young guy, I think there to, to keep your eye on, on the defense, Gage Stanger. Wilson, who you got? Uh, Billy Kemp, the fourth stood out to me, especially last sat last Saturday, the transfer receiver from Virginia. We knew what he could do. We knew he was fast, but I think he showed how he could kind of fit into this offense a, a little more. He doesn't just have, we think we, what we saw is he doesn't just have like a straight line speed. He's pretty nimble. He's got good, good feet. He can make plays from the slot, which I think is something was kind of a question mark in this um, Nebraska receiver room. I think he showed what he can be in a few months. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, you, you look at Kemp and, you know, he's a veteran. He's a guy who's played a lot. You know, we already kind of had this idea that he was going to come in as one of those top receiving options. But yeah, just seeing him out there in the spring game, I was impressed. You know, he, he finds pockets of space, and that is going to be so huge there in the fall. Uh, you know, building that chemistry with Sims, we saw a couple of nice, you know, quick passes from him. It seems like they have a really good connection already. So Kemp, another big one there to watch. A uh, good spring from him as well, you know, making his name up that wide receiver chart. But at the same time, you know, still going through spring, going through the spring game, 
Uh, you know, there's still some issues, some things that they need to shore up. And Amy, we'll start with you. We saw we saw those fumbles, right? Yeah, ball security is the thing that concerns me the most, especially because it wasn't necessarily all like one type of thing. Yeah. Um, you could flip it and be like, oh, the defense got the ball out. That's great. Uh, but there's no excuse. Uh, you need to shore up those handoffs. Uh, make sure that you have proper placement of the ball when you know you're getting hit, um, and just knowing where you are and where the ball is and ev everything else that goes into it. They just they need to figure that out. Yeah, if we're if we're talking the same way about fumbles in uh, in September, there's there's going to be an issue. So definitely, that's a, a major thing for them to address uh, in the fall. For me, it's the O line depth um, because. We saw it there just a little bit. You know, Corcoran goes down. Yes, there are guys that can move around. They've kind of been building with this idea that guys can play multiple positions. But ultimately, I mean, the stress is the physicality of O-line. I think it's very likely that a couple guys get injured or at least, you know, dinged up, have to miss a couple weeks there in the fall. Uh, so hopefully, you know, the, the second string unit, uh, they we've heard they've had a good spring. See if they can keep progressing there in the fall. But Really interested to see the incoming freshmen, uh, several several in-state guys, a couple of them, Mason Goldman and, and Jason Masichak uh, from South Dakota. They're going to play both ways or at least have that potential coming in, so not sure if they're going to be there on offense. But Sam Sledge, Brock Knudsen, and uh, a walk-on Grant Segrin, they're all coming in uh, there to shore up that O-line. So if any of them can kind of, you know, make their, make their name and at least, you know, add solid depth, I think that'll add a lot so that, you know, Nebraska knows they've got at least backups at all these different spots. So O-line depth, that's something I'm looking at. Wilson, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to the other side, looking at the defensive line, especially the interior. I think a lot of questions were answered about who can rush the passer, guys like MJ Sherman. I, Where I do think there's still a few question marks is kind of who can be that inside, you know, kind of nose guard, traditional run stopper. You know, maybe someone like Elijah Judy, but I don't think anyone emerged in that specific role you know prince will kind of played all up and down the line he told he told us and that's part of tony white's thing that he wants guys being able to play all three spots he runs in that um system but i don't think there's any obvious candidate for who consistently will get those reps uh lining up in front of the center on the interior of the line yeah definitely i mean ty robinson stefan Wynn, those are the guys that our experience, you know, you, you might think of them for that role, but again, you, you never know who's going to emerge there in the fall, especially, as you said, when there wasn't necessarily a, a guy who took that and ran with it here in the spring. So having gone through, uh, you know, this practice schedule, uh, now they're finally past that, getting into the last week of April and into May, you know, the question is what's next uh, for the football team? And right now it's post-spring meetings. We've heard that from, from Matt Rule. Uh, just about how important that is sitting down with the guys and just talking about them about what their role is probably going to be on the team next year uh, just kind of what their standing is you know making sure everybody's on the same page uh, and you know these meetings will be very important because by the way nebraska is over the scholarship limit uh, by quite a few like uh, 12 yep, over definitely over 10. Uh, some of these numbers you know we're we're dealing with them on the fly here but yeah, there are quite a few players that are going to need to enter the transfer portal or explore other options. Uh, and by the way, movement starting today, uh, first transfer portal entry, redshirt freshman quarterback Richard Torres. Uh, I know this feels like a long time ago, but he was recruited to Nebraska by quarterbacks coach Mario Verdusco and Scott Frost. Uh, sat out 2022 after a knee injury. 
Uh, I think we've heard, he, you know, he has a strong arm, but a lot of competition in that QB room. Four years of eligibility to it, it kind of makes sense for him to, to go after a fresh start. Yeah. Don't forget about Jarrett Sinek. He entered the transfer portal last week. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, so many moving pieces, but yeah, yep. no. And it doesn't surprise me that both Jarrett and Richard entered the transfer portal. They're just, they're talented guys, but just buried down the depth chart. So tough at, at quarterback too, obviously. Mm-hmm. You, know, you only get one guy out there. Uh, versus some of these other positions, we've seen kind of a, a surplus, lots and lots of bodies there. Wide receiver is one of those spots too. There's a lot, a lot of freshmen coming in too. So redshirt freshman Victor Jones Jr. was the second today on Tuesday entering the portal. Uh, same story, redshirted last year. So four years of eligibility for him remaining. Uh, best of luck to him as he looks for a new spot uh, to play his college football. But along with these meetings they have going on, players will start going through offseason workouts. Uh, head strength coach Corey Campbell is going to have plans for all these guys. Uh, and in particular, some of the different position-specific uh, training that they will go through over the summer. Uh, 2023 signees will also be able to uh, enroll there in classes at Nebraska for the summer. That would let them uh, you know, start working out the team facility. Some to look forward to those other guys uh, getting there on campus and getting working. And of course, the recruiting trail. Uh, it will be busy. Uh, Nebraska coaches uh, will be out and about. And by the way, we're in the, already in the spring evaluation period that runs April 15th to May 31st, quiet period in June, dead period in July to follow. A uh, little bit of details here on the recruiting. Uh, this is the final season of old recruiting rules. Uh, staffs get a total of 168 evaluation days. Uh, this is for the April to May period. Again, this is a six-week period. So those 168 days, those are split amongst the staff, uh, you know, going out to, to various recruits. I know it Seems like a lot, but there's a lot of a lot of assistance on staff. They have a lot of targets to get to. And the new recruiting rules, by the way, kicking into effect there in August. That will be down to 140 evaluation days uh, moving forward. But we talk about recruiting a couple new commits on the board as well. Uh, Miami, Florida edge rusher Willis McGahey, the fourth son of a former NFL running back. You remember Willis McGahee, Willis? I do. <laughs> feel really old hearing he as a kid uh, <laughs> going to college. Right. I was thinking the same thing. Like, man, wasn't he just playing for the Broncos the other day? But uh, anyway, his son, uh, the fourth, Willis McGahee, the fourth, natural pass rusher. Uh, Nebraska really likes the idea of him playing Jack linebacker. Uh, so he committed there pretty quickly. Things came about fast. Got that offer in January. Uh, got to Nebraska last month and then Really liked what he saw, strong relationships, and decided to commit there on the day of the spring game. And soon followed a second commit there, uh, another guy from Texas. We've talked about this recruiting pipeline quite a bit from uh, Katie, Katie uh, Texas at Taylor High School. Tight end Ian Flint, a really strong connection with Nebraska. His parents, both uh, former track and field participants there in the 90s. His older sister, Amelia, currently a thrower there on the track team. So a lot, a lot going on with that Flint, Flint family. Uh, really excited uh, to see, you know, all their, you know, all their uh, athletic tradition, you know, come out to play there. But, you know, Ian still, he was, he talked about how his family, you know, they wanted him to make that decision for himself. And ultimately, Bob Wagger, I mean, Texas through and through, he's been a, a great high school coach down there already. He's going to be coaching Flint. I mean, it, it just made a lot of sense. Yeah. And look, like, he, um, from the the little bit I've seen, I don't pay as much attention to recruiting as you do. Um, that is a, a difficult thing to keep up with all of it. Um, 
he's more of like a like a strong blocker um and that shouldn't affect anything with any other potential uh recruiting of other tight ends uh out there maybe uh carter nelson perhaps but yeah i like the fit it makes sense um you go where you feel like is home and yeah. when you have a guy like you know bob uh potentially you know being in your new family so to speak it just makes sense definitely and like you said i i'd kind of liken uh flint to kind of a chancellor brewington a guy who can pop up there in the red zone like really good blocker uh can still catch passes you know be kind of that all-around versatile tight end and like you said a lot of interest there still with uh ainsworth carter nelson more of a receiver and of course you know with with this marcus Soderfield offense we're getting used to these multiple tight end sets you know it's not a not a case like in years past where you take one tight end and you're kind of good for the class so that's your recruiting update uh, more to follow as those coaches go out there on the road. Uh, but want to get into some of our other sports, more updates to share. Let's start with Nebraska basketball. Uh, the men's team star guard, Kasei Tomonaga. We'd been kind of waiting. You know, we'd heard, is he going to enter the draft? Is he going to go professional? Well, we finally got the news. He did enter the NBA draft, but retaining his eligibility, uh, that means he's going to go through these pre-draft workouts, get feedback from scouts at the draft combine. And they, they kind of let you know, I think that they grade they grade you like first round, second round, undrafted. I'm not not exactly sure. Can't say I've gone through the uh, the NBA scouting combine myself, but really useful for these players to go through. And for Casey, again, keeping that eligibility, the door is open, but he's interested there in the NBA. Yeah, and that's his lifelong dream, right? Um, he's known as the Japanese Steph Curry. Uh, Steph tweets at him every once in a while. It's actually kind of cool, but. Yeah, it just it just makes sense, right? Casey, because his dream is the NBA. What do you need to do? What do you need to do? You need to get evaluated by the people who know best, right? And so it just makes sense. I've said it all off season that this is probably what he's going to do, and this is what he's done. Um, I don't know if he will get invited to the NBA Combine, but there is a new. Ish. It's been around for a little bit. The G League Combine, I can't talk today. Um, I can see him getting invited to that. Um, same sort of thing. Um, for me, it just it just makes sense that he did this. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back after, you know, getting evaluated and learning that, you know, maybe this isn't the year. Um, but, I mean, what a tool and how helpful this is for guys who want to get there and know they've got one more year of eligibility. So let's see if they can you know, figure it out. Yeah, definitely. I, th I think it's just great that they have that set up so that you can keep your eligibility and go through this process because I think probably what, what a lot of players find is, you know, sometimes they might go through that process and, you know, the scouts get back to them like, hey, you work on this area of your game, you know, you might be 20 picks higher next year, or, you know, whatever it may be. It's just really important to get that feedback and, uh, learn from that. And like you said, that's his, that's his dream. So if it all goes to plan, I mean, he might end up sticking with that, but May 31st, by the way, uh, the deadline to withdraw from that draft, uh, draft process, return to Nebraska, if he chooses. And the other quick uh, men's basketball update we have here, got the schedule from the big 10 for the 2023, 24 season, 23, 24. It's like, we're already, we're already in the future here, but Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Northwestern, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Wisconsin. Those are all the opponents that Nebraska will face twice. 
uh, only one game series against all the other teams there. That includes Michigan State, Purdue, and Iowa. Nebraska only playing Iowa on the road this year. Uh, no home date against the Hawkeyes this season. Dumb. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already, you know, it's there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten. And, I oh, know. wait, they're adding they're adding two more. I know, yeah. but it just, it just makes sense to play your your rivals right. twice. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Well, don't worry. They get, they get Rutgers twice, so. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> that one, that one will, uh, will fire up all the fans, both in Lincoln and uh, in East Piscataway. That one's for sure. <laughs> but anyway, we want to get into uh, our usual update here at the end, softball and baseball. Uh, we'll start with softball team. Uh, really exciting three-game series that they had there against Wisconsin. Starting off with a walk-off. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty fun there to open it up on Friday. Yeah, yeah, from Alina Felix, a freshman who hasn't really been part of the starting lineup for most of the season. Um, so yeah, definitely not one of the not one of the usual suspects you would expect to get a big hit in that situation. So pretty cool for her. And yeah, um, weird series. The offense kind of shut down after that first game, but enough to uh, take two of three from Wisconsin, set up a pretty big series, probably the biggest of the season this uh, weekend uh, at Northwestern. Yeah, definitely. That that Friday game, by the way, Courtney Wallace pitched all 10 innings of that. Uh, so <laughs> good job to her. I imagine that was uh, pretty taxing out there, uh, pitching 10 innings. But as you mentioned, even it on uh, on Saturday, Wisconsin, they came back in that one, scored three runs in the seventh inning, and then really tight 2-1 win there on Sunday. Just four hits, but another great outing by Courtney Wallace. I think she's got 20-plus wins there now, uh, really having herself a fantastic year. But as you mentioned, Nebraska 32 and 14, 12 and 5 in the Big Ten, tied for second in the conference with Indiana. But number 22, Northwestern, 15 and 2 in Big Ten play, uh, three game series coming up at them. And such a huge one, too, because you kind of look at the, the national college softball landscape. You know, obviously it's SEC, Big 12, you know, ACC teams. Well, Northwestern, they're ranked, you know, they're a very highly regarded opponent. It's going to do a do them a lot of good to come away with some wins in this one. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, Nebraska's chances at winning the Big Ten regular season title are pretty slim. They're three back of Northwestern, but for them to have any chance, it has to start this weekend. You know, a sweep would bring them into a tie. That's unlikely to happen, but even just putting a dent into that, taking two would cut it to um, would cut to two games back uh, with going into the last series. But yeah, just a chance for Nebraska to really sharpen up against a quality opponent before the Big Ten tournament in a couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, testing itself against the best that you're going to get in the conference uh, going to be huge. And only two series uh, left before they get into the Big Ten tournament. Always think, you know, softball, it starts a little bit earlier. And then I'm like, oh, geez, you know, it's already we're already talking about the Big Ten tournament. It's not even May yet, but two series left uh, to get that done and see what they can do again. Having a very good year, second in the Big Ten at the moment. Moving on to baseball, they were also second in the Big Ten, but really, really rough weekend. Uh, disastrous kind of three-game sweep there. Iowa gets to um Friday pitching had been really good, but Iowa got to Emmett Olsen, knocked him out of the game there uh, in less than three innings there on Friday. Hit the Nebraska bullpen as well. That was an 11-6 to win. And just not good enough at the plate in the next two games after that. Iowa won 8-0 on Saturday, 6-1 on Sunday to secure the sweep. Nine total hits for Nebraska in those two games. Uh, really a tough one because the you know the regular season chances were already not crucial. You know to make the postseason, their RPI was already kind of a little bit low. But Iowa was 
pretty much the best team other than Maryland they were going to the rest of the time. And to lose all three, your rival, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, you, uh, you don't like to see that. Tough one for Will Bolt and his crew. He was not happy uh, there in his postgame appearance there on Sunday talking about how, yeah, these things can happen in college baseball. You can get swept by anybody, but three games in a row at a very high-pressure high, high pressure situation, not great for Nebraska, but perhaps the only silver lining is that the path to the NCAA tournament doesn't really change. Either it's going to take a, a ridiculous winning streak here in the last couple of weeks of the regular season or just win the Big Ten. Uh, that's still out there. Everything's still to play. And they will, uh, they'll see what they can do. Midweek contests, Omaha and South Dakota State, they will host Minnesota this weekend. Uh, so chance to get back in the right way, uh, the winning path. But big weekend coming up uh, as we have it. NFL draft. And Amy, you're going to be going to be making a little bit of a trip a couple hours I away. I am. Yeah, I'm going to Central City for the spring game for volleyball. It's a scrimmage against Wichita State. should be fun. It's in the new Bison Dome in Central City. Uh, tickets for that sold out in like 52 minutes, I believe. Um, and you had to be there in person. People were camping out overnight. Um, it's really cool. I'm excited for the atmosphere in there. should be a fun one. Yeah, it's going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Uh, lots of local fans eager to see the team there. Uh, good chance as well to see some of these new players, Mara Beeson. Uh, you know, see how, see how she works her way into that volleyball uh, rotation, see how those players are kind of coming their way together. And NFL draft as well, Trey Palmer, likely to be the first guy off the board, not looking at first round, but who knows after that, best 40-yard dash time. I mean, that, that usually gets the, gets you a, a pretty high selection there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he could very well be one of the higher Huskers taken in the past few years. Not saying highest, yeah. but among the higher ones. Well, I mean, when it's when it's been a wait till the the sixth or the seventh round, I mean, definitely, you're, yeah. you're not wrong there. There were there will be uh, several others: O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tainer, Travis Bokalek, all those guys in contention to maybe a day three pick. Uh, UDFA's as always, we've seen a lot of different UDFA's latch on with teams as well. So, good chance for those Huskers uh, to you know secure their future NFL teams. Make sure to stay tuned, JournalStar.com. I'll be locked in. Glued into the uh, to all the draft coverage. I'll claim that as work, but <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like I said, Amy will be there. So will our Brent Wagner. So lots of coverage there from uh, from the volleyball scrim spring scrimmage. Wilson will be at softball. We've got we've got a lot going on this weekend. Uh, a lot of good stuff. So make sure to stay tuned to JournalStar.com. But I think that'll do it for today's uh, kind of spring football wrap up uh, recap and everything. We will have more details uh, to share in the next couple of weeks, but. As always, appreciate all of you consistent viewers and listeners uh, to the pod. Your support uh, means quite a lot to us. So thank you as all, as usual, for listening to today's Life in the Red. We'll see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.